0: What amazes you? Can you give me a face of amazement? Let me let me check. Just amaz- don't look at the person beside you. Okay, good. Can you just look at me like amazed? Okay, okay. Here goes one. My grandfather killed a person almost one hundred years ago. No, no, nobody believed that. Well, okay. Yeah, he did. He did. He did. had to run away from Venezuela and hide in Colombia. There he met a girl, and he married her. It was my grandmother. I never met my grandfather. Okay, never. Jesus Maria Perez is his name. That's the story I heard, that he killed somebody, and that's the reason he went there. Most of my uncles and aunts from my dad's side of the family uh, were born in Colombia, in, not in Venezuela. Uh, here goes another one. Um, the aunt that told my dad about Jesus, was a single mom. She was kicked out of church. No? Oh, that's, that's not amazing. It's kind of a strange thing. Some things amaze us. If I tell you, for example, that Mr. Childress, I went to school with my dad, you're going to say, mm-mm. His children went with my kids to school in Mount Pleasant. Nah, Jonas, you're just making that up. Yeah, but there is something that amazes us and, and makes our face like, oh, that. Wow. Can you amaze that God will be? Can we amaze God? Can we say, can, can, we God, can God say, oh, wow, I can't believe what I'm seeing? I can't believe what they're doing. Can we amaze God? It implies that you don't know something when you're amazed, right? Like, for example, my aunt, she was kicked out of church. She was a single mom. Well, she was actually married, but her husband, when my aunt was. Uh, waiting for the first baby, he went to buy milk. Never came back. Um, I never met that guy. I never heard that story until lately. She's already deceased, and I, I wanted to give her a hug when I heard this story. Because then she started living with a man who was single, but he was a Christian man, and from there came all my cousins that I know. One, one older one called Asia, and then all the rest, Lysaris, Walkiria, all my other cousins were, and they were kicked out of church because they were called... Bad names in church. They were the son, the children of a couple that were not married. I felt guilty for my cousins. But you know what? My Aunt Gilma, that's her name, she's already with the Lord, was the one who told my dad to go and listen to this guy speaking in English. And somebody was translated in February 1961. And my dad invited his girlfriend, my mom. And they both accepted Jesus with a guy who was preaching in English that happens to be Billy Graham. The only time he went to Venezuela, my mom and my dad accepted Jesus, and they changed a lot of things in their lives. Okay, my dad heard that his dad had committed uh, homicide, he killed somebody, but it's a lot of stories and stories and stories. But things that amaze us make us change our face. And I was asking you, can we amaze God? Does God marvel with the things that we do? It implies that we don't know something, right? When we give a news about something, we get amazed, we get marveled, and our face change because we're surprised to hear that. There is a story, there is a time in the Bible, maybe it happened many times, but there is a story in the Bible where Jesus marveled, marveled. I don't know if his eyes went like this, or his mouth, his jaw dropped, or something, but there's something somebody did that made Jesus Marvel. We're going to go through that story today. It's in Luke chapter 7. Jesus is a marvel, and we're going to read about it. When I come here, I pray. When I'm driving during the week, and I know that I'm going to pray here, uh, preach here, I pray, Lord, give me hope, give me faith, give me love. I want to bring to you um, faith. I want you to grow in faith. In faith, you grow in faith by believing the Word of God. Not by stories or jokes or things that are amazing that I tell you, but for you to trust more in the word of God. For you to, to believe what's going on here and you want to live like what the word of God says, you grow in faith. I hope that. that that's, that's one of my prayers. Then also I pray for love. Father, give me love so I can love this congregation like you do and that they will have this love that you have for them, for the community. And every time I come here, I hear story after story of what things that you're doing for the community, prayer walks. Last uh, time I was here in December, you were talking about uh, the, something in Davidson like a, like a pregnancy center that you were supporting with the Christmas and the baby and the uh, so, something good that you were doing for the community so that 's love and love and love and I also pray I pray for for faith, for love and hope I pray for hope because if we don 't bring hope to this world i don 't know who is going to try to bring hope, and our hope is in Jesus, and you hope well. When you trust in Jesus, amen? Amen? I think you hope well, and we hope that. Luke chapter 7 is our story today, and I'm going to read 10 verses in Luke 7. It says, After he had finished all his sayings, in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you to do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from his house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word, say the word, and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turning to the crowd that followed him said, I tell you, Not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word and thank you for this story that was preserved by both Luke and Matthew. Thank you, Father, for the differences in the same story. But thank you, Father, because you're going to help us grow today in love, in faith, and also in hope. And I pray that we can bring this hope this wonderful hope to this world that is decaying, that needs you desperately. They don't need a church. They don't need us. They need you. Help us be transparent to bring this love that you have for them. Help us be faithful that we can commit ourselves to bring the gospel to every person around us. I pray for those that, that are walking away from you. I pray for those that have left Jesus in second place in their hearts. Father, I pray for Bob Lowman and his family. Whatever is happening, Lord, I pray that you will be with him, that you will guide him, that you will comfort him, give him strength, and with any person or any family or any church that he is ministering, bless this man, Father, as he goes serving so many congregations and families. We pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, amen. So Jesus is amazed, the last verses that we read says that he was marveled at him. What happened that marveled Jesus? We understand that Jesus is marveled by the faith of this man. And sometimes we want to put faith in a bottle and drink it or, or put it in our, in our um in our muscles or, or do something or rub in our skin and growing faith and the disciples told jesus lord give us more faith we want to have more faith and we believe that the more faith we have the better but some people say no it doesn't you don't have to have much faith you just have to have the faith in the right person you have the faith in jesus if you have faith in god then your faith is fine it doesn't matter if it's small like a little a mustard seed it can be very small but we all want to have faith amen And you're here because you have some faith. If you don't have no faith, I don't think you're coming here because you don't believe in God. So I believe you have some faith. I have some faith also. And we all have faith in God. But this man had a faith that amazed or marveled Jesus. I want to study that faith. I want to go through the story and share with you what I discover about his faith, about this story, and what made Jesus' eyes probably went big or maybe drop. But I think this uh, blessed this man. I think this can bless all of us because we all want to, if not marble, at least want to bring our faith to the Lord. Because without faith, we cannot, without faith, we cannot please God. I can tell you, in the book of Hebrews it says, without faith, you cannot please God. So if you want to come close to him, we have to have faith. And many things that Jesus did was try to look for faith. One time he was so upset, so upset that the Pharisees didn't, didn't believe that he just left the country of Israel. He just walked away, and there was a woman who never went to Sunday school or Saturday school. A woman who was desperate, calling him Jesus, son of David. Jesus, son of David. And she bowed before him and said, Lord. I mean, the words that these Pharisees didn't say, they knew the Bible. The Pharisees knew the Bible. But Jesus was in front of them, teaching sharing, doing the miracles, and they will not believe. Jesus was so tired of the unbelief that he walked away and took a vacation to another country. One, one of these days I'll share with you that story. But today, Jesus is still in Capernaum the city where he, he, he established his ministry. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He was raised in Nazareth, But here he is ministering from Capernaum. This is the city where he is. And the Bible says that he was teaching, and when he finished, he entered again into Capernaum. And the story tells us about a centurion. What is a centurion? The, the word century, century, 100 years. Well, the same Latin word century means 100. In Spanish, we say cien for 100. So centurion means a person who gives orders, a person who leads, a person who commands 100. But he is a Roman soldier. He is not Hebrew. He's not, he was not raised in, in the synagogue. He was not raised learning about Jehovah. He was not raised learning about Moses. He had no idea who Elijah was. Probably he was not able to speak Hebrew. I don't know about him. All I know is that he was a centurion, and if he was Roman... He was very superstitious, or he was raised around superstition. Oh, Romans can be very superstitious. Dreams, cats, numbers, like number 13 or things like that, for them, bad luck. I'm not saying that 13 for them was a bad luck, but they were superstitious in everything around them. If they had a bad dream or a strange dream, remember the time when, when Jesus was co- going to come before Pontius Pilate? Pontius Pilate? Pontius Pilate, why? Send a message to him and said, don't have nothing to do with this man because I had trouble all night with con- uh, rec- recurrent dr- nightmares, dreams. Romans were very conscious about superstition, so this centurion might probably have a lot of superstitions around them, okay? Don't, don't put salt behind you or don't eat this way or don't use left hand. I mean, any kind of superstition. That was his background. But this man... Had, had learned some th- different things. For example, the Bible tells us in verse 2 that he had a servant who was sick and was in the point of death. Romans were not very nice with other people. They had learned to keep these people, uh, th- these nations that were under them, uh, like friends, respect their religion, respect their traditions. But with death, no, no problem. Let me tell you something about Romans that we, you will not like. When a Roman uh, soldier, when a Roman man, when a Roman uh, important person, wife, was pregnant, he wanted a boy. And if, he had a, if the woman had a girl, he said, just let her die. Just let her die, just to put in the trash. I want a boy. There are letters that have been preserved about Roman men that have told their wives, just let the baby die. And she had to obey, or the baby was killed because he wanted a boy. They were not nice with people at all. When, they, when Jesus, after Jesus died, resurrected and left, went to heaven, the Christians, when they saw a war or they saw probably people dying, they came, picked up the bodies, wash them. Christians and not Christians, Jews and not Jews, they washed their bodies and buried them so the birds will not eat a body in, 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 the, in the field. And Romans saw that and say, why do they love died bodies, dead bodies? Why do they love that? So Romans were not caring. Romans were not nice. But this Roman centurion was different. He was different. Look at this. Look what it says. He had a servant, not a son, not a brother, not a daughter, a, uh, just a servant. Maybe it was a Hebrew servant. Maybe it was an Egyptian. Maybe it was a Roman servant. We don't know. But he was a point of death, and he was highly valued by him. That means that he loved him. He does not consider that servant inferior. He gave him orders, and the servant went and did what he told him. But when the servant got sick, he valued. He was interested in his his well-being. And I promised you last time that I was here that I was going to bring you a passage about what the king should do. And I told you about Herod, and Herod should have a copy of the Bible. I have it here. You have it in your notes. Here you're going to find the notes for today's sermon. In Deuteronomy 17, verse 18, God commands the king. And this is very important that the king has a copy of the Bible. And the reason is very important for what we're learning this morning. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 17, verses 18 through 20. It says about the king of Israel. <clears throat> it says about Saul, David or Solomon. I hope this will be good for our rulers. This year we're going to vote for president. We vote for for our magistrates. We vote for, for the people who lead our country. Listen to this. Deuteronomy 17, 18 through 20. And when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law approved by the Levitical priests. And it shall be with him and he shall read it Reading it all the days of his life. So he should do a devotional. The king is going to hand copy the Bible, the the, the Old Testament, and keep it like like his pillow. And read it every day of his life. That may, may he learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of this law and these statutes and doing them. Verse 20, very important, that his heart may not be lifted up above his brother's. So Saul or David or Solomon will not believe that he is above his people, that he is serving them. Amen. Anybody say amen? That the king should be serving them and that he's the same and that God just picked him to serve and to rule over this nation with the spirit of God. This is very important for any leader. And maybe this Roman soldier did not have a clue, but when I see that he valued his servant, I'm thinking, this man does not think he is more than him. Because if the servant is sick and he's about to die, what does that care? Who cares about it? Just get rid of him, get me another one, kill him. He's gonna die. He did not think that way. This man had a heart. This interior valued him. He had high value for him. He had love for this person. And I see that love because he was not lifted above his servant. Man, I hope that we have leaders in this nation. I hope we have leaders in my country. I hope we have people in, in all South America that they don't think. That because they're called president, or they're called minister, or they're called secretary, they're supposed to be, you know, here, kiss my hand. Here, polish my boots. Oh, where's my car? You're the driver. But the opposite. I hope that they believe they're the servants, they're the stewards, they're the waiters of the restaurant, and they go and serve. This is how this man valued his servant. He was so concerned, verse 3, verse 3, he was so concerned that, verse 3, when the centurion heard about Jesus he sent to him elders, to the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. When he heard about Jesus, he didn't see Jesus heal anybody. He just heard about it. And where does faith come from? He hears and he believes. He does not need to see him in person because faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word <clears throat> of Christ. Romans 10, 17. So he heard about him and he said, that's the man. He heard about it, and maybe in his superstition, I don't know, but he said, go get him. Please go get him. So he sent like an embassy. He sent a group of elders, and please bring him because he had faith, he had believed. It's interesting. For me, it's very interesting that people say, come and see miracles. Nowadays, people say, come to the crusade of miracles. Come and see the miracles of God. <gasps> I'm so scared of going see seeing miracles because miracles in times of Jesus were for judgment, and people who believed did not need to see. This man had not seen. He heard about Jesus, and he believed. Oh, man, hallelujah. If, if we can just hear and believe. If we can listen to the word of God and say, Lord, change me like this man. He is so willing that he sends an embassy. You say, well, if he has so much faith, why doesn't he go in person? Why doesn't he go and kneel before Jesus and tell him he was so, yeah, he he got faith, but he was humble too. We're going to see that later, that he he, he didn't want to go. But he believed that he sent a group of people. Verse 4, verse 4. And when he came, they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly saying, he is worthy. I like that word worthy because I'm not. I like the word worthy because I'm not. But these men, friends of the, of the centurion said, he is worthy. I'm not worthy. Jesus died for my sins and he made me worthy. I'm not worthy to be in here. I should be in Venezuela doing something else. But God decided just to bring me and put me here to preach this Sunday for you. Amen? And bring God's word, and I'm trying to do it in my best English. This man was not worthy, but his friend said, He is worthy to have you do this for him. Heal his servant. Do what he has because, and here's two reasons. He loves our nation. He loves our nation. And he built us a synagogue. Later he's going to say, I'm not worthy. But right now these friends say he is worthy because he loves our nation. He has built us a synagogue. Listen to this. Listen to the message. I don't see God anywhere. I don't see that they say he has become one of us, or he believes in Abraham, or he adores the most high God. They try to, like, take away God from their conversation. Sometimes we do that when we're sharing Jesus. Sometimes we're doing this when when we're going to the community. We try to hide Jesus. We don't want to be too preachy. We don't want to be too religious. We don't want to look like, like too holy. But there's nothing wrong in saying in the name of Jesus. There's nothing wrong to say, I love you because God loves me. There's nothing wrong to say, this man is under conviction, Jesus. The Jehovah, the, the God of Abraham, has convicted this man, and he is a true believer. There's nothing wrong with that. But they were kind of afraid and said, he's he worthy to do it. Go and do it. Go do it, Jesus. You heal him. Use, use your power and do it because he loves our nation, and he's one who built our synagogue. I see in this man generosity. I see in this man generosity. He... His love for the people of of Israel moves him to give generously. He gave his time, he gave his money, and probably efforts. In 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5, we see a generous heart. We see a generous heart from a congregation, from a group of people that were the church in Macedonia. Probably have heard a church called Macedonia in North Carolina or in Georgia, South Carolina. You say, why are they called Macedonia? What does that name mean? Well, maybe they got it from 2 Corinthians 8, and you have it in your notes. You can check. That at home. Second Corinthians eight, one through five. Paul is exalting this congregation about their generosity, and I want to talk about the generosity of this man, the centurion. And I go to this word in Second Corinthians eight, one through five. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has given been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty. I need to read this verse again, verse 2. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Okay, so Macedonia was extreme poor, very poor, but they still had a lot of wealth and generosity. They were poor, but they were generous. Hmm, interesting name, Macedonia. That's why probably they call that church Macedonia. Verse 3, not the church in the Bible, but maybe the church that you know in Georgia and South Carolina is called Macedonia Baptist Church. Verse 3, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, on their one accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. When they said we're gonna collect the offering, they came all of them and started giving. And we, when the deacon, when the the chairman of the deacon did not say we're gonna collect the offering, and say what happened? You didn't collect the offering. And when we went outside, we want to give more, we want to give more. And people were just crazy to give. They had nothing. They were poor, but they were willing to give above and beyond. I'm talking about the Macedonian church. I'm talking about a church that is in the Bible. They were so generous. They were so willing to give that they wanted to give themselves. They wanted to give more. They were very generous. So this generosity was also present in the centurion. And his friends noticed this about the centurion, and they said, "He built us a synagogue. Can you imagine that we want to build another sanctuary or another church because hope will planted a church in another place, maybe in Mecklenburg, maybe in another county, maybe in another state, maybe in another part of the world. And here somebody says, "From my pocket, from my money, I want to build that sanctuary so people can come and worship and learn about Jesus." Wow, that man is really generous. That is what this centurion had done. And that, that action, that love was recognized by this man. And they said, Jesus, please go and do it. He is worthy. Verse 6. And Jesus went with them. <clears throat> when he was not far from the house, the Lord sent friends. Maybe he was looking through the window, see if, he, if something. If they, his friends came back. What happened? His friend is not well yet. Would they, could they find Jesus? So he was looking through the window, and then he saw, oh, Jesus is coming. He's coming with them. Oh, 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 no! Here, send more people. And he said, "More people saying, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have come under." My roof. He calls Jesus Lord. You know what this means for a Roman soldier—that they had to stand in front of Caesar and start in front of their emperor and call their emperor Lord. Curious. Their their Caesar, the emperor, was God for them. And I say God with lowercase G because the only God that we know is the Creator of heaven and earth. But they call their emperor Lord. Curious. Sir, God they call him, and this man is calling Jesus Lord. Do not trouble yourself for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore I did not presume to come to you. So he's so humble that he's not worthy. He had heard that Jews and Gentiles did not mix together. And that Jews did not allow a Gentile to come into their home. A Gentile is a non-Jew. I consider myself a Gentile. And that if a Jew came inside a house of a, of a Gentile, they had to wash how many times? They had to bathe themselves. They had to wash and wash and wash to get all the uncleanness ooh, that they got from a Gentile home or a Gentile family. They did not eat with them. So the Gentile centurion, this man considered himself unworthy. His friends call him worthy, but he considers himself unworthy unworthy, I did not presume, but, and here's what Jesus, here's what moves Jesus, and this man says, say the word, say the word, give the command, wherever you are, Jesus, give the command, you don't have to come and touch him, but you just give the command, be careful, Nowadays, and for many centuries, people say, just say the word, just give the command, proclaim, decree, and it will be so, and you have plenty. Just proclaim, and you have a new pastor. Proclaim, and you have a new car. Proclaim, and you have a new house. Proclaim, and you'll be healed. Um, Not so. We want to talk about that sometime later. But he is asking Jesus, if you want to heal him, if it's under your will, just say the word, give the command, because I also have people under authority, and they obey me. So because I can give author- uh, orders to my soldiers, I believe that you can command sickness, and sickness can go away. I know that you can command demons, and demons go away. I know that if there is a storm, and you call the wind and say, stop, wind, the wind will stop. And I believe that if you talk to the sun, and the sun stops, the sun will stop. So all all you have to do is say the word. I don't need to see it. I don't need to hear it. I believe you are the Lord. And I believe that where you are, you can say, and my servant will be healed. I will just believe that you are. That made Jesus' jaw. That made Jesus' eyes. Huh? He said, I have not seen this faith in all Israel. They have been learning the Bible and all the miracles that Elijah, Enoch, Enoch, Elisha, Abraham, David, all these miracles that happen, and they don't believe. They have all these prophecies about the Messiah, and they see me fulfilling, and Jesus says, and they don't believe. But this man who had never been in church, this man that does not go to church, he's never heard the gospel, believes in the power of the command. Jesus' power is so big. His, his words are so big that he can speak, and universes show up. Jesus speaks, and the sun starts existing. He speaks, and there is a moon. C- can you make a moon? I mean, out of nothing, out of nothing. Not that God gives you a lot of sand, you know, and metals and things, and you put it together, and whoo, and here, we have a moon, Father. No, out of nothing, out of nothing, can you make a sun? Can you make Saturn? Can you make an ocean? Can you make a person? A few days ago, people would say, oh, now we can make life, because we can put together this and this, and we can make life. Ha, make it out of nothing. That is what God is able to do. That is the God that I serve. That is the God that loves me. That is the God that loves you. This is the God that had touched this man, and he was completely changed. Now, let me ask you, let me show you some things. Jesus was not was not amazed by the love of this man. Though this man was very loving, he loved inferior people. He loved his servant. And I say inferior, please excuse me for using that word. But it was inferior because he was he was a centurion. Okay, if I say that word, it was please excuse. I don't like to say that because people are not inferior than anyone. But he people that were his servant, he loved them. He valued them. That does not amaze Jesus. He he. Uh, uh, This uh, this man hears about Jesus and believes. uh, Jesus was not amazed or marveled by the love he had for for the nation of Israel, though he built them a synagogue. He loved his nation, but that does not amaze God. He calls Jesus Lord, and that does not amaze Jesus. It was until he recognized the authority of the word of God. How powerful your word is. I believe it. I believe you are Lord. You are the Messiah. I believe that you have power over everything, and that amazed Jesus. There is a church in Spanish in Canapolis somewhere that is called "Come and see." Come and see. Um, I pray for that every time I drive by. I say, oh, "Pray, Father." I pray that they will they will believe. That they will believe and then see, or believe and don't see but believe. <laughs> because sometimes these churches are so focused and come and see the miracles. I pray for miracles. I pray for things to happen, but I don't pray that I go see them. Because Jesus said that when, when we have so many miracles, we're going to be judged. We're going to be judged. And then the, the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, the people of Nineveh didn't see and they repented. Well, Sodom and Gomorrah didn't repent, but it, they, will, they will judge us because we needed to see. And because people in, in times of Jesus, they saw the miracles. Can you imagine Lazarus coming out alive, walking that's, that's incredible. And people say, we're going to kill him. We're going to kill Lazarus. We're going to kill him. So people did not want to believe. They did not want to believe. Even if they had miracles, they don't want to believe. This man believed in Jesus even if this, Jesus didn't show up. He didn't have to see Jesus. He didn't have to hear the voice. He didn't have to see Jesus touching the man. Jesus, give the command, and I will believe. Do you believe in God's word? Do you believe in God's word? Do you love God's word? Do you love God's commands like this man loved Jesus' orders and commands? Do you accept Jesus' commands and orders like this man accepted them? I pray this morning that our lives will be transformed by the love of Jesus for this man, by the love of this man for his servant, but especially by the, the understanding of this man of the authority of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, in heaven this morning, this morning, Father, we need you so desperately because this world is turning around upside down without you. Because we hear about wars and more hate. Because we we hear every time more and more that wrong is right and that you and your word is wrong and we need you, Father. Oh, Lord, change our hearts. Give us the compassion that Jesus had. Father, I believe Jesus was busy. He was probably tired. I can imagine, Father, that Jesus came from preaching and he wanted to sit down and relax like probably any other pastor preaches and he needs time to sit down. But when he was asked, come and heal this person, Jesus was willing to go. Father, give us Jesus energy. Give us Jesus love. Jesus gave us his perseverance. But give us also, Father, this faith. We want to believe in your word. We want to study and love your word, cherish your word. Use it, Father, for, to love others. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that your word will change us. Not only to amaze you, to marvel you, not only do that, but to worship you, to glorify you. Transform our lives with the power of your word that we will fall in love with your commands, Father, that we will, be, we will run to do them just like the Macedonians wanted to give, that we will also want to fulfill what you have asked us to do. Lord, there is a world like the children are do- doing. They go to the United Kingdom. Maybe our, our United Kingdom is around us. Maybe it's our neighbors. Maybe it's our family. Maybe it's the people that work or go to school with us. They need to see love. They need to see better vocabulary in our, in our mouths. They need to see you. They're going to read not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're going to read our lives. Change me, Father. Transform me. Make me like this centurion, humble. And don't consider myself worthy. It doesn't matter if other people say he's worthy. That we consider before you all the time unworthy. So your grace will be poured upon us. Father, that we will be like the, like the, the, the tax collector in Jesus' time. Who just only hit his chest and say, "Be, listen to me, oh Lord. You, I'm, so, I'm such a sinner. Forgive me because I'm such a sinner. Change us, Father, and give us this humble heart. Father, I want to pray this morning for the pastor's family. I don't know them. Maybe nobody in this church knows them yet. Maybe he does not know he's coming to Hopewell, but you do. I believe that you do know who this pastor is. You have his name, his family, his children. You know where he is. In the name of Jesus, we pray, Father that you start touching things around him and separate him and his family from anything that is around this pastor. I'm not asking you that he'll be fired or he will quit what he's doing, but you're the one who can make miracles, m- miraculous things, Lord. You're the one who does the supernatural. We want to see it, Father, so you take the glory. Touch everything around the pastor for hope will. Start loosing. Start touching our hearts, Father, so when this man of God, his wife, and his children come here, Father, he will be surrounded by the love of Hopewell Baptist. Like, they, they love me so much, Father. I, I, every time I come here, Lord, you know, you're, you're my witness. Tears come through my eyes because of the love of this congregation. There's not one Sunday that I don't come here that I don't cry because of the love of that I perceive, that I feel in this church, that this love will be manifested in this pastor, Father, very soon, that the attraction of this church will be so powerful that you will call this man, Father, bring him here. I don't know who he is. I don't have a club, not search any resume. I don't know if he's here or he's in another state or he is in another county or he is close to us. I don't know, Father, but you know who he is. We know that you have a pastor, and we love you because you have this pastor, Lord. And we're going to stay together, united, begging you to bring this pastor. And as we beg you, as we pray, we know, Lord, that you will be glorified. So nobody here can say, Oh, I got this name. Oh, he's a friend of mine. Oh, because I know. No, no, no. It's going to be your glory, Father, when you bring pastor to Hopewell Baptist. We thank you, Lord, for this time of unity, for this time of revival. For this time of refreshing hope, as they search you, as they want to listen to you, as they want to experience your glory every week, Monday through Saturday, and also Sundays when we come and meet together. Bless this congregation, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.